I'm Arye Schwartz, along with Eli Horowitz, and welcome to the WNBA Insider Show. Each week, we cover various topics in the league, bringing honest and critical analysis. This week, we have an insanely special guest, a two-time WNBA champion, the 2012 Sixth Woman of the Year, and an all-star, the great, the one, the only, Renee Montgomery. Welcome to the show, Renee. Wow. You made me sound way better than I felt right now. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. I mean, I did have to leave out um, a few of your college accolades, but since the tournament just ended and, and you know, typically we, we specialize or we do not focus on the NCAA only as it pertains to the W. Um, and so, you know, I know you are a very proud uh, UConn grad. So kind of, you know, your reactions first of, of the tournament as a whole. Um, the tournament as a whole, I would say it was exciting for everyone, um, which is good. Of course, you would want to interview me when UConn loses in the final four. So, oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, you know I'm heartbroken. I, yeah, I bleed blue. So, but I do understand that two game winners in the final four is it, good for it's good for basketball. Well, that's amazing. I mean, I was, do you have a take on what happened? Because I mean, that was a, a pretty stacked UConn team, and I mean. Not like your your teams back in the day, but you know, do you have any hot takes on on what this team can do to uh, kind of get out of the rut of, I guess, a rut of only the Final Four, if you could call it that? I mean, it's called March Madness for a reason. Um, you got to expect the unexpected. So I think it's a great team. Uh, you can't discredit anything they did all season, even though everyone always looks at how you finish. I get that, but I mean, I'm still proud. Still great, great team. Um, and I'm, you know, things happen. It's called March Madness for a reason. Um, I'm, I'm going to jump in here. So let, let's let's get back to the WNBA. And um, you, you know, you were one of the biggest unrestricted free agents this offseason, and obviously made the move from the Lynx to the Atlanta Dream. Um, and before we talk about Atlanta, just just for the fans, what is? Can you tell us like the process of being an unrestricted free agent? What is that like, and what goes into that, and what was that process like for you? Yeah, so the process of being unrestricted, uh, I don't necessarily know. If, I'm just going to break it down. Unrestricted means that you can sign anywhere, just in case fans didn't know. But the process is actually really difficult because there's a situation where you're obviously coming from a team and ex- and things that you know and you've experienced. And this is me speaking from personal experience. And then you're choosing to go into the unknown, basically. Um, So it can be kind of a nerve wracking experience because on the one hand, you know what you're getting with the team you have. And on the other hand, you might be, you know, the grass is greener concept. So, yeah, it's it's a difficult decision. And especially since we just won the championship, I mean, kind of made mine uh, way more difficult. Yeah, just from like a. I guess I'm curious on a process standpoint of someone, a player of your caliber, I mean, I are you getting calls from all 12 teams or how does it even kind of work logistically? So logistically, no one's calling me uh, personally. Uh, My agent usually contacts me. Hey, this team wants to chat. Uh, Are you free? Hey, this team, this coach wants to know, are you even interested? You know, so that's kind of logistically, everything kind of goes funnels through my agent. And then, you know, you kind of like pick and choose like, Oh, uh, the Atlanta team's interested. Yeah. I want to talk like, uh, yeah, let's set it up. You know? So that's kind of how it worked for me. Uh, as you know, I guess free agency started, I, I'm just saying hypothetically, on a Monday, and I was signing with Atlanta on like a Wednesday. Um, so I, I didn't have like a, you know, sometimes like on the men's side, you know, they milk it for all it's worth. They get the flights, the jets, you know, but 
I just kind of like, you know, wanted to kind of get it over with and, and, you know, cause I was in a season here. So, because it's not like I had to just start thinking about free agency as soon as it started, you know, that's something you think about all off season. So I kind of had it in my mind that I wanted to be close to my family. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned how hard it is to leave a championship team. I, I feel like as a journalist, I do have to ask, you know, Cheryl, Cheryl Reeve is on record saying she expected you back and to resign you. And I guess just whatever you're willing to share, kind of how did that, you, you mentioned it really happened pretty fast as far as signing so quickly. How did that kind of situation unfold? Yeah. So about that, love, love, love the Minnesota organization, the coaches, my teammates. So that's why it was like, I'm sure it was a shock because uh, it was a very difficult situation for me, like a decision for me. I didn't even, even as like, you know, in the off season, I knew it was coming and I was kind of getting anxiety personally to myself about it. Like, okay. Um, you know, I, cause it's basically choosing between business and personal life. Um, business, the business decision obviously would be to sign back with Minnesota. We just won a championship. Um, it's a great team organization and nothing against the Atlanta dream, of course, but I'm just saying those are, are facts about Minnesota and personal life would be like coming back East. I'm close to my family now, an hour flight away. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it was a shock to the Minnesota organization, but you know, coach Nikki, she really like only, I already was wanting to come back East. Um, but you know, the way coach Nikki approached me, and how aggressive she was in her plan and everything, it kind of just like confirmed my decision and made me feel really good about choosing Atlanta. That's interesting. So um, obviously the family thing, you know, is, is huge, but I'm curious, like when you spoke with uh, coach Nikki Collin, like did, what was kind of her pitch? Did, did she even have to give a pitch or was it purely family or what did she kind of say to you as to sell Atlanta? Oh, she's great. Um, so it's crazy because the first time we ever spoke on the phone, um, I think we was on the phone for like an hour and a half. <laughs> like it wasn't even just like a, it wasn't just like a 10 minute pitch. Hey, we want you. We was, we were literally on the phone for an hour and a half and we talked about a lot of things not involving basketball. So it was, it was kind of like a, a connection there. And, you know, we did get to the basketball talk, uh, and, just a side note, the Atlanta team, I do, I do think we have a good nucleus. I don't, it's not like I'm choosing to go to a team this last place or so, you know, I think the Atlanta team has a good nucleus. We expect to, you know, we both want to win and we both have similar mindsets and things, but she really just, she really just envisions my game in her system. So that's for an athlete, that's very important because a lot of times you're only as good as your coach allows you to be or the system you're playing in. So if a coach can really see you in their system and let you be, have the freedom to do what you want in their system that that affects how you play i'm gonna hop back in you know i atlanta would have been in the in the the lottery pick right but they traded away their pick um so what obviously they had some issues you know they didn't make the playoffs last year and only four teams don't what do you see your role in kind of fixing these issues on this team so that's the thing, you know, Atlanta, they, they were making a lot of different moves and, and everything like that. But I think her offseason moves were big. I mean, Jessica Breland, to bring Jessica Breland in, uh, that that's a top quality for her. I mean, she's an all-star uh, for position. And like I said, the nucleus was already there in a, uh, I call her Kiara, Kiara Hayes. Uh, you know, there's, there's Angel McCautry coming back, Elizabeth Williams, Imani, 
Um, we have young players in Brittany. Like, so, you know, there was already a nucleus there. So it's not like we have to do a complete rebuild. So I'm not so concerned about the necessarily, you know, the draft pick or anything of that nature. And just as far as me, I just, uh, I just try to carry myself a certain way with like a positive energy. So what I, I want to bring most to the team is just the positive energy and like, you know, uh, like a focused will to win. Um, you know, you, you mentioned uh, coach, you know, really feeling like you can play your role there. What do you see, I guess, more specifically basketball wise, X's and O's wise? Um, there's a lot of guards on the team, which like you said, a lot of talent. I, I expect the team to be a playoff team just with all, like you mentioned, yeah, you, Breland. Existence. I like that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, we've been talking on our show of you guys, you know, almost kind of being like Connecticut last year as a team that might go from outside the playoffs to actually being like, you know, a top four or five team. Um, there's just a lot of talent. Um, but but you, you've you been on a championship team. You know what it takes. And I feel like us as media, we you know, we hear kind of it takes hard work. It takes this. But you've been there. You've done that. Like, what is it going to take to assemble all these talented pieces and actually create a winning team? I, I think that's going to be, honestly, our biggest um, task. Like, I honestly think that we have – a little bit of everything, you know, we have a shooting floor, we have the big bigs, we have guards who can drive, we have guards who can shoot, you know, we have the talent. I mean, we have Clarendon, I didn't mention her in already the nucleus, but there's Clarendon there as well. So, I mean, we have, we have like the things you need to win. Like, you know, like, it's not like we can play a team and I'm like, man, we just didn't have an answer for that. I think our biggest um, task at hand is going to be putting the pieces, you know, it's like a puzzle and you have to make all the pieces fit. So, I mean, I'm not a coach, so <laughs> I'm glad Coach Coach Nikki can worry about that. But I do think that that's going to be the most important thing because if we can make all the pieces fit right and this player is complimenting this player, I mean, I, I do think we have the talent to be good. And, I mean, obviously, you know, you, you came off the bench in Minnesota and then started when Lindsey Whalen was hurt. Do you does that something? Do you care what, what your role is as far as starting or coming off the bench or minutes? Um how do you, how do you feel about that? So, you know, when I was younger, um, I played for Tebow in the Connecticut Sun. And I think it was my second year in the league, I was an all-star. And I started the ne- very next season, my third year in the league, coming off the bench. And boy, oh boy, was it the end of the world to me in my mind. Like, you know, I just, it was like the end of the world. It was crazy. And, you know, because... Coach T sat down and talked to me. He's like, our team is really good. We just need something coming off of the bench. I know you were an all-star last season, but, you know, I think I really think this could be good for our team. Um, I thought it was crazy. Uh, but, you know, like I'm kind of one of them. I'm like, all right, well, let's just see what happens, you know. So I ended up being sixth woman of the year that year. But it, it was kind of like, like I told you, in my mind, I was like, I can't believe I'm not starting, you know. And then halfway through the season, I'm like, okay, this isn't so bad. And then at the end of the year, I got six women of the year, and our team was really good. We got ended up getting beat by an Indiana team that was rolling and ended up winning the championship. But it, in that at that moment, I think after that season, it kind of opened my eyes to me. Like, because Coach T talked to me, he was telling me, like, you know, it's not really about who starts the game. It's about who's on the court at the end of the game. And after that season, it kind of opened my eyes to me about, like, the importance of starting and how not important it is. 
I'm not saying that like, I don't like if, if I were to start, it's not like I'm going to make, Oh man, I want to come off the bench. But if I do come off the bench, it's not going to be like, I'm sitting there mad. I mean, I wouldn't do that anyway, but, um, so in a, I guess in a roundabout way at this point, um, I'd rather if, if my puzzle piece fits best me coming off the bench and that's, that's fine with me too. And what, what about position? Um, and it's something we've asked all the players that have come on to our podcast on, I'm kind of interested in that because I feel like basketball is becoming more and more positionless. Um, so, but I'm wondering as a player, like, do, do you take pride of saying I'm a, I'm a point guard versus like, you know, a combo guard or, or a shooting guard? Um, does that matter to you as a player? <laughs> yeah, I actually, yeah, I've seen this discussion a lot. I'm point guard. Um, a lot of times I can play the two guard, but I'm a point guard. And I think being a point guard and Saying that, I, I don't know. It's changing now, especially in the NBA, like the term point guard, because it's literally like all the two guards are being point guards. But I'm, I would say I'm more of a traditional point guard where I set people up and like I enjoy like making a good pass in that aspect. Um, of course, I know I have like skills that I can shoot and I can score, but I, I think at my core, yeah, I'm a point guard. Yeah, I think you're uh... – I think you're being generous because you have a lot of scoring ability as well and, and shooting. Now Atlanta was, you know, last in the league in three point percentage last year. Um, I know Coach Collins has talked a lot about that being a priority to address that, and and that's something you you can bring. Um, how I mean, is that something just adding someone like you? can fix alone? Is that something where everyone needs to be working in the off season or just the spacing will be better? Um, how, how can Atlanta address that, um, that one area? Um, I think there's a lot that goes into that. I think the way your offense is set up, uh, last year, Atlanta was a team that like they're going to drive it down your throats. Um, so shooting the three was an afterthought. I think if you have a system where a coach is encouraging you to shoot also, if a coach is encouraging you to shoot while you're still missing. So a lot of times if you're shooting the ball and you're thinking like, Oh, I better make this or I'm in trouble or, Oh, I better make this or I'm coming out. You know, that's typically not the shots to go in. So if, if since coach Nikki is actually addressing that she wants to be a better three point shooting team, um, I think more shots go in obviously when you have a green light. Um, and, and, you know, just kind of wrapping up here, like we said, we, we think Atlanta can really surprise people. What, what do you kind of see as, as the ceiling of this team um, now that a lot of free agents have moved and some pieces have changed and obviously Angel coming back? Uh, what's the ceiling of Atlanta? Man, I, the ceiling is the roof. Huh? Isn't that the same? But no, I, I just – I really – you know, I, it's interesting because there's so many – we haven't seen anything yet. You know, we just know that there's a roster in place and that it's a talented roster. I've never been on a team where I assume that we're not going to be good. So I always feel like, you know, with the right focus and mental uh, attributes that we could be there. So, yeah, I think I'm excited. Like I said, I don't want to make any bold predictions. You heard it here first, but I do think we're, (laughs) I do think we're going to be good, but I mean, I would be crazy to be on a team and not think that. So I do think that we have, I mean, our potentials through the roof, seriously. Um, we just have to put it together. I'm kind of curious. You know, I'm looking at the the new Atlanta roster, as we're calling it. And by the way, I got to give a shout out to Nike because <clears throat> I saw the the warm-up outfits for this season. 
and oh. Nuggy's taking the jerseys and the apparel to the next level. So I'm very excited to see that. Oh. That blue oh. is that blue is gonna look real good. Can't wait. Right. Um, so, you know, looking at the roster, you and Angel are by far the most veteran players on this team. So I'm kind of curious, you know, coming from a Minnesota Lynx team, a, a veteran savvy team that kind of had very specific roles for each person on the team. And I think in some ways you were kind of, at least from the videos and, and from talking to some people, you were kind of that that bright side to a very slightly serious team in some ways. Um what do you see? Do you see you taking on a similar role with this team as a leader, or are you going to have to kind of be the more, more I don't want to say mature, but the more mature veteran because of, you know, your years in the league? That's actually a really good question. Um, it's an easy answer for me, though. I'm always going to be, so I feel like you can be both. There's a time to be serious, and there's a time that you can't ever be too serious, or, you know, the season is long, the season gets hard, and if you just kind of let the season wear on you and wear on you, um, I, I think you know, it just never ends well. So I think that um, a lot of times you guys do see, there's times when I'm serious and mad too. Obviously, if like a team goes on a something over run, we're not laughing. Um, but I, I think that, you know, you can be mature and still be a bright spot. I think it actually will help loosen up the young people in a sense that if it's a big situation, a playoff game, you know, they're nervous. I know like, and I've been there, but I still can be nervous. But just to say something to kind of, lighten the mood in that aspect that's how I could see myself being like a leader on the team but also being a bright spot like you know everybody's nervous like okay everybody calm down like you know like but that's kind of um that's just kind of my personality type so I can't change that um but I, it is crazy that now I went from being like you know the middle bottom younger to now like I'm one of the older on the team so that is an interesting switch and I, and uh I told coach Nikki that I'm not used to uh I'm not going to be used to doing all so much drill work all day, every day, but I told her it's going to be a necessary evil, I guess. Cause you know, well, I mean, you might, you might have to, uh, like you might get hazed as the old person now. <laughs> I don't never, what does that even mean? Hazed is the old person. I don't even know. Well, I, That's an moron. I don't know what that is. <laughs> well, well, you're young at heart. I, I, I saw your, you celebrate you celebrated the Jewish holiday of Purim and you had a great costume for it. So I know you'll bring, you'll bring some joy. You'll bring some joy to Atlanta also. Um, I am kind of curious, you know, something we've talked about a lot is you being, and, and don't blush too much, the biggest free agent signing of this free agency period. So you went from the defending championship team. You were a player who, and we kind of touched on this, you were a player who the starting point guard went down with an injury in Lindsey Whalen. And you stepped up. I mean, you were a key clog in that that whomping you put on Indiana that one game. Um, you were a key reason they were able to win. So now that the Lynx lose you, kind of in a, a league sense, who in your mind is the favorite? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no, the favorite, to, the favorite to what? To to win it all, because I, I think it's 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 a general consensus that you know the argument is oh it's the Lynx and the Sparks are the two teams they've been back to back and and whatnot. I mean I think very easily you could argue that Connecticut's up there, but do you? I mean how do you think your leaving the defending champions I guess affects the power rankings of the league? So I think it's um, it's interesting because you know I. We had a crazy season, even though it didn't seem like it. But I honestly think when you play with players, you see how great they are. And 
I mean, the Minnesota Lynx starting five gets older every year, and I am amazed. <laughs> like, every day in practice, the stuff they, they do, uh, like a Simone Augustus who, like, okay, you make her mad, and she might score 10 points straight. So I just – I played with them for, you know, those three years, and just to see what those starters do on a daily basis at practice, I mean, I wouldn't – I mean, I know me leaving is a is a blow, but I, I mean – I think the Minnesota Lynx are going to be just fine. Uh, uh, I think, you know, and they reloaded on the bench. Uh, so, like I said, I wish them nothing but the best. But I just – I practice with those players every day. So, just – it's it's hard to, to bet against them. And I'm not saying they're going to win it all, but I'm just saying me leaving them, uh, yeah, it's probably – they're probably like, oh, darn it, you know, but – those starters, as long as you have that nucleus right there, you can you can add other <laughs> players to them, and I, I think that they're always going to be a good team. Um, and I'm not making any predictions about this right. about this Fair enough. thing because <laughs> that's, that's a sticky situation you trying to put me in there. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. We'll we'll end with this question. You, uh, you've been generous with your time. We really appreciate it. Have have to ask, um, and and maybe you know. I'll, I don't know how much you've watched because you've been busy with your overseas commitments, but you know there was a big splash yesterday with Stevens of UConn announcing she's entering the draft. To, to whatever extent you've seen her play, can, can you give us your scouting report? Because she's just for, for media, she's thrown our mock drafts uh, into the trash, and we got to reevaluate everything. Oh well, see now that's one I I can do. I I like to. Um when talking about young players being drafted into the WNBA, a lot of times you can see these players, they can run, they can jump, they can shoot. Um, but, and then everybody's so puzzled when they maybe don't excel in the WNBA. Uh, the fact that she's coming from UConn, I do that. There's no secret that like the UConn players have been, you know, prepped and are ready to, to play in the WNBA system. And it's, I think it's more the mental aspect. So I'm going to just say, um, knowing that she was coached by Coach Ariam, I would say that knowing that, you know, that she was in I think the she's going to program because well. I think basketball is a mental game. When you get to the situations where, like this season, we're playing a game almost every other day, um, a lot of times you have to depend on your mentals. Your legs might be tired. You, you know, you have to be able to outthink the your opponent. So, in that aspect, I, I'm, I'm sure she'll be fine. Well, thank you so much for joining us <clears throat> again, guys. I'm Arya Schwartz along with Eli Horowitz, and this has been the WNBA Insider Show. Each week, we cover various topics in the league, bringing honest and critical analysis. We want to give a huge thank you to our special guest, all-star and champion, Renee Montgomery. Oh, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me.